This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, it's Tuesday, 5th of November. I'm Andy Brassel. She's Jules Breach. And this is Jules and Andy on Football Ramble Daily. I look at Pochettino and mm. I think he's in a fires of stop raging and not necessarily through any fault of his own. They're not a team anymore. They're a bunch of highly paid and quite talented individuals. Coming up, the aftermath of that horror injury to Andre Gormish and all the other fallout from Everton versus Tottenham and the rest of the Premier League Sunday action, including Jamie Vardy having a party and then some, and of course, some of your correspondence, all to come on Jules and Andy. How was your weekend, Jules? I see you completed your triumphant run on BT Sport Score. Thank you. Yes, it was... Um, do you know what? What a day on Saturday. The yeah. football was just absolutely so entertaining from start to finish. I mean, having Manchester City and Liverpool both play at three o'clock is quite a rarity on a yes. Saturday afternoon. So to be able to follow both of their matches sort of at the same time and see... You know, both of them go behind and both of them manage to come back and win their games, especially the way Liverpool managed to turn the game around at Villa Park and and get the winner late on. It was just so intense and so hilariously entertaining right towards the end of the day. Dramatic. So, yeah, it was dramatic. It was great. And it was so fun to be able to present that. Um, all the emotion, 
all the fun. It was, um, yeah, a nice ending to my little stint covering Mark Pugach, who is now back from the Rugby World Cup. So uh, I won't be going that far. I'll still be on the same sofa. Just be shuffling along the sofa. A little bit further along. And then um, I also got my first NFL experience this weekend. Yeah, I did. I went to see um, the Texans versus the Jaguars, my first ever NFL game. I believe it's pronounced Jaguars. Jaguars. Um, So that was fun. It was... um, it wasn't what I was expecting, though. It was such a show from start to finish, mm. but it took ages. Like, the football was so slow. I was a bit like, come on, guys, get on with it. So, um, yeah, but as a, as a whole, like, the entertainment value from start to finish was um, was really good fun. And I got, I got a bit of a pitch side experience, thanks to a couple of people that I know down at Wembley. So that was nice. And, mm. yeah, it was really good fun. I loved it. Um, very entertaining, but you can't be proper football in my opinion that, that's that's right I mean one thing you need to do when you shuffle along the sofa at score on a Saturday afternoon one thing that might have added to the drama of, of Saturday maybe flares and fireworks <laughs> on the studio God, I, I, yeah. I had some of that in my Saturday evening I, I was I was off in Berlin at the first ever top flight Berlin derby between um, Union and, and, and Hertha which Union won thanks to a winner from a former QPR player, but that wasn't really the the story. There was lots of atmosphere. There was lots of fireworks and flares. There was lots of quite poor use of those fireworks and flares and quite scary. dangerous use of it uh, in uh, some occasions. But, you know, it, it didn't take away from what the occasion was, which was absolutely fantastic and historic. You can get some of that and some of the atmosphere um, on the new episode of At The Match, which is out on the Football Ramble uh, daily feed. I've got some great guests on it as well. And yeah, you would get the feeling of being there, which is the whole point of, of At The Match. Um, but it did mean that I had a very long Sunday, having arrived back um, before breakfast pretty much to London from Berlin with the whole footballing day ahead of me and then obviously catching up with all the Sunday Premier League action afterwards. The boys, of course, are off in New York and North America more widely at the moment. Uh, RambleLive.com for your ticket needs. I believe there are, there is still a few out there available there around New York, Brooklyn, uh, Toronto, Chicago, I believe Sp- Canada, don't they as well? Yeah, I believe Spicy P is going to the <laughs> Toronto show, that, but that's just an unconfirmed rumor for the moment. Really? That's what Luke Moore tells me. Anyway, let's hope Spicy P is in the house. <laughs> but um, yeah, that me- meant that the lads recorded the normal ramble early. So if you're waiting for the cliffhanger ending of that, <laughs> this show is that as it always is, of course. But we're, we're, we're focusing on the Sunday Premier League action. And we've got to start at Goodison Park, haven't we, really, Jules? Um, for, I, I guess, one major reason, one quite upsetting reason. What happened to Andre Gomsch? And, um, of course, it goes without saying that um, wish him a, a full recovery. And um, the early signs for that look optimistic. He's already had the operation. And Everton say it went well. Um, he's received good wishes from all over football. Um, But it was a really jarring moment. I struggle to think of the last time, Jules, in a Premier League match where you had something that just flattened the game. I mean, afterwards, you know, you had like some potentially very emotional moments like Spurs, I think in a normal circumstance would have been bereft that they hadn't held onto the league, having not won away since, what, what, February February in the the Premier League and that was against Fulham who aren't even in the Premier League anymore. Um, and, you know, losing a 97th minute goal to, to lose that. The fact that that 97th minute goal was scored by Cenk Tosun, who I think is 
as well as a good player, just an exemplary guy who's really not complained or moaned or anything like that while he's been out of the team. And to me, it's pretty clear that he's not Michael Silva's cup of tea, but you could see what it meant to him when he, he, he scored that goal. And obviously that would have been amplified if it was a match that by that point anyone actually cared about, which I'm not really sure is the case. No, by that point, I think, as you say, the atmosphere from what we could hear through our TVs, it just felt really flat in the stadium at Goodison Park. And it's understandable because the players, you could see from the looks on their faces just how distraught they were when they saw Andre Gomez lying on the floor and screaming and crying and, and you know, a lot has been made of Son's reaction as well and mm. how upset he was to be kind of involved in that incident. And and I also spotted that the fans who were in the front row and I was watching it on, on the TV, I managed to get home after the NFL game and watch it a bit of it on catch-up. Yeah. And um, looking at the fans in the crowd, the looks on their faces, it was just looks of horror and distress and they couldn't believe what they were seeing. And when you see people's reactions like that, you know just how serious that injury is. And of course, that's then going to change the whole atmosphere in the ground Mm. because it becomes, the football match becomes less important and people care more about how the player is and the human side of things. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we'll come on to the Son side of that a a, a bit more in a a, a minute. Um, But I, I just wanted to say a little bit about Andre Gomes, because he's he's a player that I really rate. I know he's very popular amongst Everton fans. I think for the way he's embraced the challenge at Everton as, as much as anything else, because they have a player who came from Barcelona, where he's a 50 million euro player, where it didn't really work out. Whereas, if I'm being brutally honest, it never really looked like it was going to move out, uh, work out. He was He was a player who shone intermittently at Valencia and the talent was clear um, but it never felt to me like getting dropped into Barcelona in the incredibly high standards that they have there that he would either get the consistent playing time or the attention really to to fully develop his game into in, into what, what he, he, he wanted uh, to develop it into and, and, and so proved to be the case I think but you've never really had the impression from him that he's felt like Everton was a step down or that he's treated Everton as a a step down, which I think a lot of players would have. And um, I think that's of great credit to him and his his, his character and, um, you know, what uh, a fully invested and and, and decent pro he is. Um, And what what I think is also very interesting about Andre Gomes is um, how he's talked about his spell at Barcelona. And in a time where, you know, we are more and more aware of the discussion um, around stresses on athletes and mental health at the moment. And he's spoken quite candidly about the effects that the pressure at Barcelona and the difficulties he experienced impacted on his mental health. Now, I I think someone coming from a place like that, coming from the sort of career trajectory that he's come from, coming through an excellent academy at Benfica, always being fated, always being rated because of the, the, the talent he has and the poise he has on the ball. For him to come out there and um, be that honest about it, I thought was absolutely terrific. Um, 
I don't know, maybe he felt as if he had no option. Maybe he's just doing it for his own benefit rather than the benefit of others. And that's completely fine as as well. Um, but to have that sort of openness from a player who's been part of you know, arguably the biggest club in, in world club football over the last, the last 10 years, I, I thought was something that was a, a real mark of the man. And it makes me think that as well, he'll be able to be at one with his feelings, clearly he's got a great support network at Everton as well. And you, you could tell by the way the, the players reacted and, and looked after him when, when that happened. And, you know, I think you look at players like Cenk Tosun, um, Luca Dean, you look at um, the, the way that Seamus Coleman went in and checked on the Spurs players afterwards, mm. which I thought was absolutely fantastic as well. And a, a, again, a real, a real stand-up pro. Um, it makes me think that Gromsch will be all right and he will get through this and he'll come out the other side and, and continues to be really valuable for Everton. Yeah, it clearly takes a lot of strength to be open about mental health problems that uh, he had in the past. And particularly now at this time when he will be going through the rehab and try, obviously the immediate impact, you know, he'll still be recovering from that injury. But then as he gets back to fitness, it will be so important for him to have, like you say, that support network around him to help because the psychological effects of being left out of a team because of your injury and not being part of that and actually not being around your your mates, not being yeah, around your, be your, your teammates yeah. anymore. And that's really tough for footballers. You know, I've spoken and work with a lot of footballers that have had difficult injuries in their careers and they say that's one of the most difficult things is then not kind of being around the dressing room and not having your routine because you you can't have that same routine anymore. And, and as well as that being a physical challenge, it's a very, very tough mental challenge because you have to think very differently and, and be aware that this actually could take a lot longer than you want it to. Yeah, and you are doing it on your own, however much anyone else wants to help. The fact is, that there's I think it's sometimes not acknowledged, that there's a lot of waiting around as a footballer. You know, there are, you know, lots of nights spent in uh, hotels, even before home games on, on, on a lot of occasions. And a lot of time where you can't really do anything, where you just like sat indoors. And that's when your teammates become everything. You know, they are your family. And, you know, the the private jokes and the tournaments on the PS4 or the Xbox and all, all that sort of stuff, games of cards those are the sort of things that alleviate the boredom. Whereas that is the thing with injury rehab. It's long and it's boring. It's really boring, you know, and that's something that, especially an intelligent guy like him, that's a lot of time to think actually, isn't it? It's a lot of time and it's a, it's a, it's a lot of alone time as well. Yeah. And, and like you say, he will have his family and his friends around him, but that's different to what his regular routine is. He's yes. used to, you know, going to the training ground every day and seeing his teammates and the manager and he knows what he's got to train towards every weekend because he's got a match at the weekend and your whole mindset and your whole routine completely changes and having that psychological help to recover from this injury is is going to be really, really important for him. But clearly, as you say, Andy, it, it does look as though he has a really good support network at the club and the, the players clearly all adore him and, and mm. support him because seeing the looks on their faces and 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 particularly Cenk Tosin, who you've already mentioned, was, you know, 
consoling him on on the pitch, wasn't he? He was stroking the back of his head when mm. he was down injured, and and yeah, you can tell just how how much this affected not just him, which is obviously the main thing, but all the players around him as well, which just shows how much they. Um, adore him but also how valuable he is to the team you, you talked yeah. about his talent that's been evident since he joined Everton that bit of imagination there in the in, in the centre is, is, is something that maybe they haven't really got from any other central midfield player he'll be really missed in his in his time away for sure it was horrendous what happened obviously to Gomez and, and we're always yeah. well and just because something happens like that you can't say there, were, there was intent or you know the injury is so bad that you can now give it a, that was horrific the poor Poor son, you know, as if as if he meant that. We talked about the effect on Gomes, who's obviously the major victim about this. But what about the effect on Son? Yeah, it's um, well, he was shown a yellow card, wasn't he, by Martin Atkinson at the yes. time for the challenge, and then after Martin Atkinson had had seen the injury. Um, to Andre Gomez, he upgraded it and and sent Son off. Now Son was already distressed because of witnessing his uh, Gomez's injury and and obviously feeling like he was part of that I mean if he'd have stayed on like if he, if he hadn't have been sent off like they would have had to sub him wouldn't they yeah I think so because he was clearly not in the frame of mind to carry on playing yeah. a football match and 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 you know my heart goes out to him because Son is such a nice person as well and there would there clearly would have never been any intent there and I think the decision to send him off has split opinion from what I've seen different fans saying um, but interestingly there's there's the referee's view in the Times from Peter Walton who I work with every single weekend at BT Sport um, and uh, I just wanted to read you out what um, Peter Walton as an ex-Premier League referee had to say about this. He thinks that Martin Atkinson was actually right to show Son a red card. He said the intent doesn't matter. Now, Peter Walton actually has a previous very similar situation to this. He, he was the referee when Aaron Ramsey's leg was broken after that tackle by Ryan Shawcross in, I think it was February 2010. Um, now, Peter said initially in that situation, he was going to caution the Stoke defender. But after seeing the severity of the injury Ramsey had suffered, he said, I showed a red card. He said, as a referee, you must judge whether a challenge is careless or reckless or endangers an opponent. The degree of intent does not come into it. And he said, following Son Heung-min's challenge on Andre Gomez at Goodison Park, Martin Atkinson initially took out the yellow card before sending off Son. He said Son will not have intended to injure his opponent, but as the Premier League later clarified in a statement, Son was dismissed for endangering the safety of the player. Now, I've got a lot of time for Peter, but I, I don't agree with that interpretation of it because the challenge didn't cause the injury, quite simply. Um, and I think if we're reacting to the outcome rather than the action, I, I've not heard anyone mention intent anywhere. And that's something that sometimes pundits and fans are, are, are criticised for, aren't they? For saying, oh, well, it's about, you know, he didn't mean it. He's not that yeah. sort of player. And yeah, I agree with Peter. That doesn't matter doesn't, a, no. a, a, at all. Um, but it's it's quite clear and it should be, quite clear on the on, on the VAR review that the challenge has not caused the injury. The landing has has caused the injury. Um and it's it's just unfortunate. Um I, I think a yellow card would have would have been about right. Um and I, I'll be interested to see how this matter progresses. Now the, the, the PGMOL has sort of closed ranks and 
protected the decision. Um, I mean, I, personally, I think them, them explaining something publicly is is a start. I think in terms of communications between what's happening more globally with refereeing and the application of VAR and communication with fans who are watching the match at home and, of, of course, m- most importantly, the fans who are watching in the stadium, I think that's a positive first step. And actually, when I was at the Berlin Derby at the weekend, um, the the winning penalty, which was scored by Sebastian Polter, that was, the referee gave it, Dennis Aitekin. Then he took some advice through his earpiece, went over to the screen on the side of the pitch, looked at it, came back, confirmed it was a penalty. And then afterwards, in the mix zone, the bit where the players from both sides come out and talk to journalists, uh, Dennis Aitekin, the ref, he came out as well and explained his decision. Culturally, that's normal in Germany. And I I think that's quite a positive thing. And even though uh, generally German fans despise the concept of VAR because stadium culture is everything there and they, they, they feel it messes with it to an unacceptable degree. But I think the fact that they already have that culture of referees opening, uh, you know, r- rather than being, you know, the, the, the big I am and, and just saying, that's it, that's my decision and it is final. I think the idea of, of having dialogue, of having explanation, of saying we all want the same thing out of the football experience, I think is, is, is quite a, a positive one. Um, but in in terms of this, I don't think it would have been unreasonable. I, I think there's, there's, there's so much will to protect the man in the middle at the moment. And globally, I've, I think that's not a bad thing at all for, for, for referees to be backed. But I just think there's just this overprotectiveness of, of referees at the moment, the, the feeling that VAR at its worst, could be a challenge to their authority and that must be stamped down upon with all might at every opportunity. I don't think it's unreasonable for them to come out, especially after such an upsetting incident, and say, you know what, He's, he saw it, he got freaked and he gave him a, a, a red card and maybe he shouldn't have done. I, I don't think that is any slight on Martin Atkinson at all if they come out and, and, and say that. No, because referees are still human beings. And, yeah. and in the heat of that moment with everyone around him, you, you can understand why why that decision was made. Um, with regards to protecting of the referees and, and VAR, it's been another weekend, hasn't it, where VAR is what everyone's talking about, but we're still yet to see a monitor be used in the Premier League. Now, I spoke to Peter Walton on Saturday um, at BT Sport about this. Oh, what do you think about it? Um, he said that conversations were actually had during the week last week. Right. Between uh, the referees. Um, and um, a lot was made about the fact that a monitor hadn't been used yet and he was expecting that across the course of the weekend we would see a monitor being used because they were encouraged to use them in this meeting that they had, he said. Um, And a lot of conversations were had also about the length of time it has taken to make certain decisions and also the lowering of the threshold because we've seen this weird swing over the last couple of weeks, haven't we? We Where We went from the threshold being so high that nothing was being overturned by VAR. So it seemed a bit strange, like what's the point of it? So then the complete opposite of that over the last two weeks where the tiniest nudge and then they're awarding a penalty. But the the kind of 
overall view I have on it is that we're still not at a point where we're getting any consistency from it. And that's the issue because the whole point of having VAR was to be able to help the referees make the correct decisions. And I still don't think correct decisions are being made. And sometimes it, they're right, sometimes they're wrong. Yeah, that's that, that's true. Jill, sorry, sorry for interrupting. I was just going to say how... Uh, I, th- I think the thing is, with the bar having been... Unex- the ideological bar being mm-hmm. ha- having been set unacceptably high, the problem is, to fix that in season, it's really difficult because the, the whole thing around something like this... You, you roll it out, you know there are going to be a few teething problems, but in order to get consistency, you have to get... It's, it's kind of like changing tactics mid-season. If you're, if, if you're a team and you get a new coach, you've got to get all your ducks in a row at the beginning. You can't have another pre-season in the middle yeah. of the, the, the season, can you? So to, to, for people to know what's accepted, for people, for officials to know what the standard is, to change that mid-season is difficult and it is going to cause some unevenness. But I think... The whole problem in this in this game between Everton and Spurs, I mean, it was borderline unwatchable. Was, I, I, yeah. I just think because of the delays, I mean, you could hear the crowd getting restless. And you don't blame them. It's just totally unacceptable. It's, it's not a decent spectacle for them. Yeah. I mean, at least if you're at home, you can go and make a cup of tea. Yeah, that was nothing to do with the Gomez injury. The rest of the game before that was so stop-start and the decision was, was, was just taking so long to be made. It was almost it was almost laughable, wasn't it? It was just a bit like, what is even going on here? And in the space of time that it took for the VAR, I think, was it was it Anthony Taylor who was the VAR for that game? Yeah, I think Not, so. I think it was. Yeah. Um, he, the amount of time that he took to make certain decisions. Well, maybe he was making a cup of tea. <laughs> maybe he was. Martin Atkinson could have gone over to the monitor and just made the decision himself. It just, just in my mind, it just isn't working at the moment. I, I was expecting, I, I was very pro VAR at the start of the season. Yes. I, I was all for it. And I also expected it to be a bit of a tricky start. I expected there to be teething problems. I didn't expect it to be perfect. Did you expect to see lots more penalties than there were before? I did, yeah. And yeah. it seems it's got had the opposite effect, yeah. hasn't it? yeah. There's been far less goals being awarded and, and more goals being taken away, um, which isn't what we want to see. But um, but yeah, it was it was a bit of a, a messy game. And, and um, it's a shame, really, because actually building up into the match, it obviously finished one all between Everton and Tottenham in the end, which seems the kind of most irrelevant thing now that we've talked about everything else, whether it was the Gomez injury, the VAR incidents, that seems like the least important thing when really these are two teams who desperately needed a win. Going into the game, you would have said neither of them want to come away without a win today because Everton needed it. Tottenham needed it. Two managers who were under quite a bit of pressure at the moment and yet we're not even talking about that. Yeah, I mean, maybe if you're Marco Silva or Pochettino, you're thinking, oh, well, well done, Jules and Andy. You spent the first 25 minutes talking about other stuff <laughs> yeah. and you've totally let us off the hook, yeah. which is pretty much what is going to happen. Yeah. Um, I, I suppose we can like, briefly say, yeah, uh, nothing's quite right with either team at, at, at the moment. Um, Tottenham still look a little pedestrian. I know they're without Harry Kane uh, at the moment, but you expect more more dynamism uh, from them. Well, it's even trickier now because they won't have Son, potentially, if the red card is up upheld. Yes. Then, obviously, he's now going to miss... Um, will it be three? Was it a straight red that he got or was it two two yellows in the, the end and a sending off? I wasn't actually sure. Yeah, I, th- I, think, it, I think it was a straight yeah. red. Yeah. So then he'll miss three games. So 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's big, it's glass, and, and it? obviously for for them. I mean, I kind of think Everton have been unfortunate over the, the the last couple of weeks. I mean, I know there's been a lot said about the the Brighton game, a game that whether you think it was a penalty or or not, the one that was awarded there, although well in control of the game mm-hmm. up in up until that that point, and um, then yeah, they they could have got a bit of a bit more of a rub of the green on Sunday against Spurs. Um, so, but but for Spurs, I just think this this is an absolutely massive week because of course they put away Trevenesvez, the Red Star, quite comfortably in London. Going to Belgrade is a different kettle of fish. They are really hard to beat in the American art, as um, Liverpool found last year. If they lose this, they're in trouble in terms of qualification. They really are. And their away record is not great either. No, it's not. Um, in, in the Premier League, they haven't won in their last 12 away matches. I mean, that's just not a record that you want to have. And when you've got those, I imagine that as a football team, when you have those stats hanging over you and, and the press build them up and everyone talks about your away record, the last thing you want is a trip to Belgrade in the Champions League because, as you say, it's a tough place to go and it's it's actually exactly going to be a year to the day when Tottenham played Belgrade that Liverpool lost in Belgrade in last year's Champions League. Yeah, so they okay. know that that's, that's something that could potentially happen. And as you say, that could be seriously damaging to their Champions League future for this season. Do you reckon they'll have any flyers or fireworks out there? Probably. <laughs> I'm expecting it. <laughs> Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot forward slash ramble. 
Jules and Andy here on Football Ramble Daily. I'm, I always want to say I'm Jules Breach. <laughs> You're definitely not Jules Breach. She's Andy Brassel. I'm Andy Brassel. She's Jules Breach. Hello. Still, hello. Um, of course, you can always get in touch with us um, at Jules Breach, which is her, and at Andy Brassel, sure? which is me. You sure? Um, the boys, of course, weren't able to give you the full update on the Betway 4 to score uh, because they were off to North America. Um, so uh, here's a Betway four to score update for you. No one correctly predicted the four first scorers oh. in Betway's four to score last week. It's hard. Come on, give them a break. Yeah. Uh, so it rolls o- rolls over to a colossal two hundred and fifty thousand pounds nice. this week. Uh, tune in on Friday for the boys' selections on the preview show, and go to betway.com forward slash four to score to lay for free. That's four to score, like the number four to score. Uh, betway.com uh, forward slash four to score, um, and gamble responsibly at all times, please. Right, let's talk Leicester City. They are flying still. They are back into third in the Premier League after beating Crystal Palace 2-0 on Sunday. They're flying, is that why they're flapping? They are flying. That was Jamie Vardy's celebration, wasn't it, for the second goal. He's fun, isn't he? I mean, he just loves to wind people up, doesn't he? (laughs) That was hilarious, that celebration. Also, because it was like he had the world's longest arms when he was doing those wings. I was well impressed. He did a little, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. It's like one I of think those. He had the gloves on as well, so there was like extra extension. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what he is. I- I've been thinking he's like one of those NBA players with extraordinary hyper extended <laughs> wingspan. He's just something else, Jamie Vardy. He's unstoppable at the moment. He is. Um, nearly 33 years old. He doesn't seem to be slowing down. He's the top scorer in the Premier League. Every single game he plays for Leicester, you expect him to score at least once. You expect him to be just causing an absolute nuisance on the pitch and he continues to do that. And a lot's been made of, you know, obviously him stepping away from international football and, oh, how England could do with him right now. But actually, since he's taken himself away from international football, it's almost made him be able to focus more on the Premier League. Liberating. Yeah, and, and he is just... Absolutely flying. Well, you know what? It worked. There you go. You've gone <laughs> flying again. Uh, it's um, it's quite similar to Alan Shearer, actually. Because remember when he stepped away from England duty, that definitely added another year or two onto his Newcastle United career. Um, but I, I suppose not many people make the Shearer-Vardy comparison, but I do think there's a little bit in that, even though they took different routes to, to get to the top, because they both had the opportunity to move away from the club that they're most closely associated with and decided to stick with it. Of course, Vardy could have gone to Arsenal and, you know, I think there have been times in the past where you might have thought, should he have done that? Mm. You know, should he have should he have gone for that? And he's clearly very happy with his decision. He's someone who, like Shearer, is very comfortable in his own skin, yeah. isn't he? And um, you can see that. And also, he's someone who's, a way more intelligent footballer than he gets credit for because like Shearer, he found a way to adapt his game. And if there is going to be a point where his pace goes, I would back him to find other sides to his game. I mean, the thing is under Brendan Rodgers, I think it's quite interesting that, you know, he he does get that, that ball over the top to chase, but that's not all his goals. There's, more to it because you know when you go back to Leicester's title winning season and you think of that ball over the top for 
for Vardy. Yeah. You know, can think of all those goals in all those those games and a, a lot of them were were that. But but now, arguably, Leicester are a more complete team now under Brendan Rodgers than they were under Ranieri in that title winning season. I think Jamie Vardy is better this season than he was in Leicester's title winning season and yeah. Leicester as a whole I think are better. I think there's been a lot of comparisons to the the title winning squad and to this season's squad and are oh, which one is actually better. Well, statistically, if you look at the points, Leicester have won more points at this stage of a season than they did when they won the title. All about the running, Jules. It's, All about yeah, the running. It is. But you mentioned Brendan Rodgers and what a difference he's made to to Jamie Vardy and, and tactically the way Vardy's been able to adapt as well, as you say. He's gone from being just a, a simple counter-attacking great striker to a complete number nine now, in my mm. opinion. And, and since Brendan Rodgers has taken over at Leicester, which was back in March... Vardy scored 19 Premier League goals. 19 Premier League goals in that space of time, which is five more than any other player. And we're obviously considering that you've got the likes of Aguero in that list of, of players. That Obviously, Aguero is now getting very close to being above Thierry Henry and all-time leading top goal scorers in the Premier League. It's phenomenal that Jamie Vardy is on this run of form of scoring goals. 19 since Brendan Rodgers took over. And what's amazing is it doesn't need a lot of chances either. Yeah. Like, Clinical is not the word. As you say, you always expect him to score in that situation. And um, we were talking about it before, weren't we? Before we came in the studio. And so we had a little look at the numbers. He's been having two shots a game yeah. all season and he's still scored 10 from 11. Yeah, his I mean, conversion that rate's is, a joke. It's astonishing. Yeah, I think they showed it on Match of the Day as well. That his right. conversion okay. rate was something like 48%, which is just amazing. Just amazing. Quite considerably higher than any other striker. I mean, something tells you that's unsustainable. Um, and I, I suppose on the other hand... Don't it, say that. I'm about to get me my fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> I think the horse has bolted, really. <laughs> But I, th- I think it says something about the quality of chances provided for him as as well. Um, you know, you look at um, Madison, who was excellent again. Harvey Barnes is becoming more and more Im- important to the team. Damari Gray's like contributing as as well. There's there's so much in there that they have, and then you've got the fullbacks. You've got Ricardo and, and, and Chilwell and every, every, everything that they have, and he scores so many different types of goal. Really doesn't need Jamie Vardy. Yeah. You feel that he's only at the beginning, really, of his, his second win. C- can I ask, if you were him, <laughs> oh God. W- would you, uh, would you uh, delight so much in winding up uh, opposition fans? Especially Crystal Palace fans, yeah. <laughs> Most definitely. A given. A given. It's, a, it's an absolute given. I we, mean, the, the difference is you wouldn't be imitating an eagle, you would be a seagull. <laughs> yeah, I would, exactly. Yes. But it's pretty much the same thing, isn't it? Is it a different type of flapping? Mm. I don't know, I don't know. You meant to say, more refined. Hey! Well, yeah, actually, I think seagulls are probably more annoying than eagles, aren't they? Really? When you talk about the actual bird. Mm. Oh, seagulls in Brighton, they're they're like vermin. I've, I, yeah, I've never had a chip stolen from me by an eagle. No, exactly. I've never seen a real-life eagle. No, I've, I've, I've never, had, never had a portion <laughs> of chips in the Grand Canyon. Do you know what? The seagulls in Brighton, they're just savage. Literally, you're down by the beach, you're down by Brighton Pier walking along that promenade and they are just there they are scavengers any kind of food they are there 
you've got in touch with us with uh, your tweets, which we very much appreciate as always. I wanted to bring in this one at this point from Sal at Sal88. Thanks for getting in touch, mate. It says, as we're just under a third of the way through the season, how about some updated shouts for A, top four, B, bottom three, C, season surprise packages, excluding Brighton, obviously. Aww. It says in brackets here. <laughs> put the kibosh on you we're not, we're not surprised and, anymore we're that good and d top <laughs> and d top scorer okay thoughts uh, so top four yeah i think liverpool will win the title oh, i can't wait for the, for this weekend liverpool against man city sounds not even so good even ask you for champion you just have to give oh, top, four. top four all right yeah. liverpool man city leicester chelsea wow what do you think i would go man city liverpool Leicester, Spurs. I still think Spurs would just about manage it. In that order? I think City will win it. Look, it's just the order which they came out of my mouth. <laughs> That's all that happened there. What, what about... Okay, my bottom three uh, will be... Norwich. Southampton. I would have said Newcastle United up until they won at West Ham mm. this weekend. But, you know, you just feel they'll probably eke out enough results for for, for, for them to them to get away with it. I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Watford, Norwich, Southampton. Yeah, I'm the same three. But I think it's going to be... I think Norwich will finish bottom. Watford second bottom. Right. I think Southampton will be in the bottom three, but I think it's going to be very, very close with them and Newcastle. You know, it's times like this when I wish that the playoffs were structured as they were in 86, 87 and 87, 88. I'm showing my age here. <laughs> but when it was done in the same way that it's done in Germany, where the, the you have the team that's just above the relegation zone. So like the third bottom one. Yeah. Or, yeah, the third bottom. bottom. Third bottom. Oh, well, third well bottom. yeah, it could be fourth bottom. Okay. Let's relegate four. Come on. Okay. It's been done before. <laughs> Against the team that finishes outside the automatic promotion playoffs, uh, the, the automatic promotion um, places in the second tier. So oh. in 86, 87, oh, you, had, you. You, had, yeah, you had yeah, yeah. Charlton versus Leeds. Yeah. And they, they had to, in, in the end, play a third game at St. Andrews, which Charlton won through two Peter Shirtliff headers to stay up and stop Leeds from coming up. And then the following season, 87, 88, it was two-legged and Middlesbrough squeezed past Chelsea. And after the second leg, the Chelsea fans, or well, some of them went ahead and smashed up Stamford wow, Bridge. That is so, brutal, uh, uh, presumably, though. presumably the Borough f- supporters and players had to wait until they got back to Middlesbrough to, to yeah. start their party. But I, I love that. Like when it happens in Germany, it's so exciting. Yeah, I bet it is. That's that. That's exciting. But when you support a team who could be very close to that stage most seasons, as a Brighton fan, I don't think I want that rule. I'd, I'd rather not. No. I don't think I could cope with that. That's that's too hard. I mean, the thing is, you'd have to pay for the privilege. It wouldn't even be included with yeah, your season exactly, ticket. Exactly, exactly. Would it? Um, season surprise... Going back to Sal's tweet. Sheffield United. Yeah, it's, it's got to be. It's got to be. It's got to be. What are they, yeah. sixth? Yeah. That's absolutely ridiculous. Although, on the other hand, Norwich do have more points than I thought they would have by this stage. Really? Yeah. E- even though they've bottomed out since that Manchester City win. You thought they'd be worse? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I to be fair, as a point of pre- reference, I don't really watch the championship that much anymore. So, um, yeah, I, I'm prepared to be surprised. 
I, but, I'm, I'm amazed by Sheffield United. I think that what Chris Wilder is doing and the results they are picking up and the, the points they've got to be to be where they are in the Premier League table is absolutely phenomenal, in my opinion. I expected them to do well, but I did not expect them to do this well, particularly in the style of play and, um, you know, the philosophy that he has at that club and, and, and the way that that team plays. I just didn't think it'd be sustainable. And especially because they aren't really scoring goals. It was it was incredible that they scored three first half yes. goals. They hadn't scored three first half goals in a Premier League game since May 1993. That's wow. how long they hadn't scored three first half goals in the top flight. So well, they still had that crazy Lime Greenman away strip in those days, didn't they? Did they? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It was like one of those uh, Stabilo Boss highlighters, <laughs> but like done all over a shirt. Oh, it's like Man City's away kit this season. I'm not a fan of that. That's oh. like highlighters as well, isn't it? Summary, <laughs> isn't it? And as winter's drawing in, I've, I've got to be in favour of that. Top scorer before we leave this tweet. Top scorer. Uh, Vardy or Aguero? Raheem Sterling. You reckon? I'm having Sterling, yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah, I just think he'll get so many opportunities to burst into the box in that Manchester City side mm. and I see them motoring. But as I said, I just released my top four out of my mouth in the order <laughs> they came out. Don't read anything into it. Um, th- thanks for that, Sal. There's also um, one I want to get to quickly from uh, Andy Crisp at a Crispix. Oh, um, I want crisps now. <laughs> so suggestible. <laughs> Me too. Um, salt and shaker do. Oh, I love a bit of salt and vinegar. Yeah. Um, a bit of West Ham chat would be interesting, particularly interested in why they're so devoid of creativity and how to get Haller firing. It seems too easy to blame all the current issues on Fabianski's injury, though he is clearly a big miss. He clearly is a big miss. You look at that Shelby free kick and Roberto, who I have a lot of time for, having seen him a lot at Benfica and Olympiacos, he really should have saved that. That was pretty lousy. I mean, he's, he's had a funny career, really, because um, he's played huge swathes of seasons where he's looked brilliant. And when he's at his best, I mean, it, uh, he's, he's one of those footballers I love watching. But his whole career has been peppered by like, like really quite costly errors as well. West Ham have seen more of that so far than, than the good bits. Um, but in terms of creativity well Pablo Farnells needs to settle when he does I think that will make um, an, an enormous difference um, I, I did wonder with Ala I mean I said at the start of the season the players he had around him at Eintracht Frankfurt they, uh, they had such a great click him and Jovic and Rebic it's clear that there is talent in that West Ham team you look at Yarmolenko as well Snodgrass has started to, to come back to form but I don't think you can create that kind of chemistry overnight I think it takes time I think that that result from the weekend was probably my biggest surprise result oh yeah West Ham 2 Newcastle 3 first of all because Newcastle Newcastle scored three three goals and secondly because this West Ham was just not the West Ham that I was used I was used to seeing this season and and especially at home as well because they've actually had a decent home record fairly recently Mm. also their season has just been a bit a bit of an odd one because obviously they started off with that heavy defeat against Manchester City. Then they went on quite a decent run, didn't they? And then all of a sudden, the last four or five games have just been a bit strange. I can't put my finger on what's not right at West Ham because actually on paper, when you look at the squad, 
they've got an excellent team. They've it, got an excellent starting eleven, and they've got very good bench players as well. And they should have. I mean, they've they've spent a few quid. Um, I mean, I, I just wonder. It seems to me that the fall in form seems to have coincided with people sitting up and going, "Oh, hello." Could they push towards the European place? Mm. I've heard people mention the top four a couple of weeks ago, which, I mean, is crazy talk as far as I'm concerned, but still. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. I I wouldn't have put West Ham to finish top four. European place, you could see that they could have pushed for that if they'd kept their form up from from their nice little run that they had. And and when at the time we were seeing United and Chelsea and Arsenal and Spurs kind of struggle to, to get consistency. So at that stage you were saying, oh yeah, European football, possibly, mm. but now looking at the way things have kind of fallen off, I'm not really sure where they're at. They're, they've no. confused me a bit. No, that that's right. And I think to keep pace with the European places, I mean, you need to be yeah. consistent. The standard at the, 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 the top bit of the table is pretty high, isn't it? I think that's just about us for this week, isn't it? It is indeed. I'm off to watch Chelsea against Ajax tonight in the Champions League. My hey. actual first visit to Stamford Bridge. Can you believe that? Really? Is that Never right? Never before. So I'm really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to seeing Frank Lampard's team in the flesh this season because I just think that they are a really exciting team to watch. Lots of young stars on show and based on the first uh, time, well, a couple of weeks ago when it was Ajax against Chelsea, the return leg, um, it was such an open, dynamic, exciting game to watch. So I'm expecting much of the same tonight. Yeah, well, um, as it's your first visit to Stamford Bridge, I'm not one of those journalists who goes on about free food because if I was listening to this show, that was <laughs> the last thing, that would be the last thing I wanted to hear about. But... oh. Really? But. Am I in for a treat? Draw your own conclusions. Draw yes. your own conclusions. Well, I'll let you know how that food is next week. <laughs> it's been great to have you listening. If you have any comments on uh, football-related food or anything else, <laughs> any of your questions, we'd love to have them. Thanks for getting in touch with Twitter. As we said, uh, you can also get in touch uh, via Jules and Andy at footballrambledaily.com. Enjoy the week's football and see you next week. Bye. was a Stakhanov production. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. 
No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.